get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, welcome to the program. Today we are talking about breast milk, and I'm going to be totally mature about it. We're going to talk about why there's a shortage and how it impacts people. And, uh, you know, the thing I love about We Are Libertarians is we've got so many contributors that when issues come up, it's not because they're experts, just they're like real real people living lives and can give us an insight into what's going on in families. So uh, Sarah Brady's here, Trisha Stewart-Mann is here, and my wife Reagan is here, who I have uh, I've inspected does have mammary glands. So... Uh, we'll uh, give you all the, well, not all the details right after this message. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Thanks for joining us here on The Chris Spangle Show. Again, I'm Chris Spangle. Now, before we start, we want to thank all the members of Wall Plus, which is what we call our Patreon. You're the reason the show and this entire network of all of our shows, including Gingerarchy, hosted by our own Trisha Stewart Mann. Uh, you can join wallplus.com and get all the great benefits. I did stand-up for the second time in my life. Uh, I've never done more than three minutes. I did 17 minutes. So did I do well or did I bomb? Go and listen to that bonus episode right now at $5 or above. Uh, we give uh, lots of bonus shows, three to four a month, um, and patrons can access ad-free shows and the complete archives, and you'll be supporting a great a great podcast, just the best podcast that, uh, well, the second best podcast I do. Thank you especially to our $100 a month members, Vincent Peichel, Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Uh, now, I don't typically actually get mad about news stories, but this one has bugged me a lot. And uh, so I really wanted to do an episode on the baby uh, formula shortage. Um, Reagan is here. I met my stepdaughter, uh, you know, when she was like two and a half months. And then we started dating a little while after that. And I was around for breastfeeding and, saw what an enormous pain in the butt it is. <laughs> it is uh, more complicated to be, you know, I haven't lived with a woman in a long time. And now that I live one with one again, I'm like, oh my God, women have so much crap to deal with. It's so much harder than being me. The other night she's like, you literally just walk in and then go to bed. And then you're in there for like an hour putting on creams At least and 30 minutes, essential oils, yeah, and- exfoliate the creams. Yep. I don't do anything. I don't even wash my face. He doesn't. I don't. And so, you know, I I, I think when people say, oh, why don't you just breastfeed? We're not going to, you know, I, some of you are being a jerk, but we want to definitely answer that question. Why that's not an option for everybody, because it is difficult. Uh, and I 
despite the appearance in this black t-shirt, do not have memory glands and don't have any insight into what's what is what is what with formula. Uh, so we have three moms here. We are strategically recording this. Uh, we have coordinated nap times, more or less. Poor Squish had to go down at 1230 when she usually goes down at two ish. Three. She has three. <laughs> like, I mean, she's asleep, though, because I, I kept ha- you have to leave the door cracked and go. I'm going to check and make sure you're not playing with your toys. <laughs> uh, but Trisha Stewart, man, how old is uh, your baby? Myra, uh, my youngest is 17 months. How old's your oldest? She will be 18 on June 17th. And she just did what? <laughs> she just graduated with honors on Saturday, and she will be heading to the College of Worcester this fall. I believe she has close to $60,000 in grants and scholarships. A Congratulations. Year. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of cool to see, you know, the graduation pictures with you and your your oldest who's graduating high school and and then your uh, your little baby, Myra. Your little sister. Yeah. Kind of. I did a lot of this. So it's cute. And uh, are you breastfeeding formula? Are you? So so now she's she's in the toddler stage. So we're doing toddler milk. Um, With Myra, I started trying to exclusively breastfeed and had to, for a lot of reasons, um, go breast milk and formula. A lot of people on each side are kind of against that. Hmm. I found being a little older than 29, I did what was best for me and my family and my husband was completely supportive. So I was able to supplement where I could give and still be able to breastfeed her. So, And then Sarah Brady, who has uh, been a co-host guest, mm-hmm. did some video work for us. Uh, and you are a well, what was your most like you're, you've worked in the libertarian professional space, I guess, is the way to put it for a long time. And you also worked as a nanny and yeah. you know more about children than anybody I know. It maybe rivals Reagan, who had 10 younger brothers and sisters uh, and helped basically co-parent. <laughs> um, but you, you know, you have a lot of insight here, but you also are a new mom. So tell us about about your uh, kid. Yes. Uh, I also have a, I have a five and a half month old right now. Um, and we actually, this is a topic that's near and dear to us because in the middle of this delightful shortage is also when um, <clears throat> it became necessary for us to wean. So I initially did um, breastfeed. We had just exclusive nursing for the first 10 weeks. Uh, and we had so many issues with, uh, with his latch where we were causing um, like, it was really painful. It got to a point where I had just decided that I, I couldn't keep doing this because I would like wince and seize up just starting to feed him and doing that eight to 10 times a day. Uh, it's it's really exhausting. and It's really hard. So uh, we switched to pumping for the last um, four months now. But um, we are done with that because we've also had experienced uh, mastitis, which is an infection that you can get when you're breastfeeding. Uh, I've had it four times in the last five months. And after the third time, uh, my doctor said, if it happens again, you really should just stop breastfeeding because um, it's just it's it's not worth it. at that. Um, sorry, it's not worth it at that point. Just the um, the pain that it's causing for everyone. But it was really emotional to have to have that decision of um, switching over to formula, especially in the middle of this formula shortage. We made sure to. Um, Save up. We found two months worth of formula before we even considered starting over. So <clears throat> that's how kind of dire the situation is. Is that it was really a question of should I just continue to put up with constant infections or could we switch to formula? Which one would be easier? 
Is that what you had? The squish? I, yes, I've had that a couple times. Yeah, and you breastfed for how long? Because she's three, three and a half. <laughs> Two years. Yeah. And Go, she ahead. also had a tongue tie, which made it very painful at the very beginning. But because of my situation as a single mom, it was difficult to get some of that stuff. Yeah, to afford the fixed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just had to deal with the pain. And what the is a tongue tie? I don't think a lot of people know what that is. Uh, it, men, I mean. Men. <laughs> so tongue tie is basically, I don't even know the correct term for it, but where just think you can't stick your tongue out. Baby can't stick their tongue out. They can't latch on. It's that thing underneath your tongue. Yeah. Myra had it. We had it clipped. Yeah. 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 The thing that connects the bottom to the top. <laughs> yeah. And when that happens, they cannot normally cannot get a good latch, um, which affects one, how much the baby's consuming. And then it in turn affects how much the mom is producing can end up being a downward cycle. And if you end up engorged, so too much milk there, you could end up with mastitis, all those things. And um, because when you breastfeed, you can't just like leave it in there for a while. No, No. that's how you get mastitis. It hurts. hurts You went to the hospital, didn't you? Uh, No, I, um, at that time, what was that during COVID when I got it? Yeah. I think I was, wasn't really able to go to the hospital. So I just laid in bed for a couple of days, waited for death. (laughs) (laughs) I did did end up going to the hospital for my third time. So it's, it's not a joke. It's not, you can do a warm compress and different things like that, but it's just, once you get the clog out, it feels better, but I've never had mastitis, but I've been pretty far engorged where one side wasn't producing the same or what, and I couldn't only pump one the same. And so it feels kind of like, um, acupuncture with the largest gauge needle in f- 15 different places constantly on you. Oh, it is constant. It's like, or if you get really painful when your feet fall asleep and it feels like needles, it's mm-hmm. like that only worse right here all mm. the time. <laughs> and you, you had that where one side was different than the other. So you, you kind of didn't have enough sometimes because the right would produce more and then the left would be dry and you couldn't eat it. It's all, it was like a con. It was, you thought about it all the time. Breastfeeding is weird because it, what, what you start out with isn't always what you're going to have and it can go either way. And for me, it was just, it was a constant roller coaster of what I was producing, what I wasn't producing. Normally speaking, I mean, my doctor would say this, that, Oh, well, your body can produce what the baby is going to need. And for me, that thankfully was the case, but there were some, weeks even where I was super stressed or I'd get sick or I'd be on a medication and those put up barriers to what your body actually can do. So we, um, I did more baby led weaning where she could eat some extra things as well as breastfeeding. So that did help. Yeah. What has your experience has been like, Sarah, Trisha? Uh, just that there's, I mean, there's just so much that goes on, especially for like the first 12 weeks. Cause like, like Reagan was saying, it's, uh, it's kind of a learning curve and there's a process and and it's different with every pregnancy, at least I'm told. Um, so you can have a really successful time um, breastfeeding with one child and then have a really hard time with the next. Um, and it, it is something that is kind of like always on your mind. Because even if it doesn't necessarily take up a ton of minutes at like actively breastfeeding, especially if you're able to nurse, if you've got a good, you know, efficient baby, you can be done in like 10, 15 minutes easy. Um, you have to constantly be aware of like 
you're more hungry because you're breastfeeding. Um, you're really conscious of what they're eating. If you have babies who are sensitive to like milk or eggs, some women have to completely cut entire food groups out of their diet. But why is that? It's just something that's constant. Um, so if the babies are sensitive, this is a thing that actually applies to formula too. Some babies are lactose intolerant. Sometimes they're um, intolerant to dairy in general. Some are sensitive to soy, but anything that mom eats um, comes out in the milk. Your milk is basically just um, filtered blood. Hmm. So anything that you eat, any drugs that you take, at least come through in part in your milk. Uh, and babies, Sarah's got uh, a little bit so of an small, internet problem. To, you sometimes have to figure out what it is. Yeah, Sarah's got a little bit of a problem. Uh, we got an internet issue, so she's going to mute her video, um, but uh, that should hopefully help fix it. But just be patient with the pauses. If I could add on to what Sarah's saying, too. Um, so a lot of you know times, and I am, I think that if there's a possible way for you to breastfeed, you should absolutely try it. Like, I'm not one of those that's like, don't bother with it because it's gonna, you're going to hate it. Because there are women, just like anything else in life, that just... You know, they might, you always get a little bit of a rough start, but then it just goes really well and it's perfectly meant to be. And a lot of people point to historically how, well, that's what women did. So why all of a sudden? And that's actually not true. 15% of children no. growing up did not get enough. And so there were some solutions. Sometimes you did have wet nurses. Um, and I know that there's, you know, some cool new free market solutions for breast uh, milk donations and stuff. That's not really feasible for a lot of people. Um and then you are also relying on the fact that somebody's not doing a certain type of drug. They're not. And then if you want really fancy kinds that get tested, well, then you're paying like five times more than formula. Yeah. So, you know, unless you got a neighbor who's got uh, some boobs that she just wants to come over five times a day and lend you, <laughs> which Chris don't make me do. You, you want to go like around the neighborhood? And yeah. start, you, know. I, you know, we were, we were actually. Four dollars an ounce last time I checked. Oh, mm -hmm. oh yeah, it is. How, how much does a baby drink an ounces a day, would you say? Oh God, Alex ate like thirty six ounces a day. Oh, that's a lot of that's money. A lot of, that's a more lot than of money. filling up your gas tank every day. Yeah, we we were actually really lucky that um the first time I had mastitis, one of the things that comes along with that is not only are you painful and engorged and you've got all this milk and you have to get it out because that's how you clear the infection, uh, but you also make less because you're all swollen and infected. So I had um and I actually had another mother who I was lucky enough that I'm I'm worked within the nanny industry. So I have a lot of connections with people who have small children. Uh, and one mom, uh, a friend of mine was just asking for if she had any tips for me to, to be able to increase my milk supply so that I could make sure I was giving him enough. Cause I really, really didn't want to feed him formula, especially early on. Um, I had a mother who just offered, she goes, well, would you like some milk? And she gave me like 200 ounces of milk because she was an overproducer. She had like, a thousand ounces in her freezer. Uh, so when she heard, well, there's a baby that doesn't have enough milk, that was her first thought was, well, I have extra milk. Would you like some? And it's cool that now, because pretty much everybody who breastfeeds has a pump. Um, that's actually one thing that the Affordable Care Act did was uh, requires all breast insurance, all uh, breast insurance, all health insurance has to cover breast pumps. I'd like some breast insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Trisha, can you add that to your roster along with life insurance? <laughs> start selling that as supplemental but then i actually, would do your materials but it'd take me three weeks to design it <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's the modern thing now is instead of having to find somebody who would nurse your child you can find somebody who's yeah. got a thousand extra ounces in their freezer and wants to share 
And if you are, you know, somebody that doesn't have a friend like that and you're not knowing exactly the source, then they do have, it costs more money. Hopefully maybe one day the market can make that smaller, but you can get it tested. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so that it's safe as could possibly be. But the one cool thing about everything that we've done, um, instead of soaking bread in water and trying Mm -hmm. to shove it down a newborn's throat to get them to swallow it like a feeding tube for those 15% of babies that had failure to thrive, we have formula which is the next best thing to breast milk. Yeah, so is that what happened? Why do you all prefer breast milk over formula? Maybe this is a good place to explain what formula is, when it was invented, you know, why is it different than breast milk? I know I was, I think I was um, formula fed. My mom said when I was a kid in 1983, like that's what everybody did. You just, they, they kind of told you not to breastfeed and use the formula. Now it's really like make your own choice. Um, which seems much more rational to me. But yeah. what what is formula? When did it get invented? Like, give us details on all that stuff and why you guys chose a hybrid or just exclusive. Why like, you never really used it? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Trisha, you, you I go, can speak a little bit about the history. Yeah, uh, Sarah probably knows it the names better than I do. I just know the overarching story. All right, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, you go first, and then uh, Reagan and Trisha can fill in. Okay. Um, Well, the baby formula has been around in one version or another. I'm sure we've all seen uh, a meme posted by one of our our parents at some point about the recipe for formula that involves like caro syrup and goat's milk, or sorry, caro syrup and and evaporated milk and uh, formula vitamin drops. But formula has been around in one form or another since about the 1850s. Um, our modern version of formula, though, is the whole goal is to mimic breast milk. So the idea is that um, human milk is different from other kinds of milk, only that it has like more um, more carbohydrates. It's got high sugar. Um, it's it's kind of I, I've heard it described as it's it's kind of like a sugar water or like a cereal milk, um, but it's really high in um, carbs. So we have various ways that we try to alter other animals milk in order to make it more similar to human milk. And those are what we call baby formulas. Uh, they're just formulations of um, food that babies can be able to take. But the reason that they need those that young is because um, baby guts can't handle uh, real food, especially under the age of about four months, because I mentioned before that milk is basically filtered blood. One of the things about infant guts is they're what we call open and kind of leaky. So a lot of what infants eat in the first four months can actually diffuse straight into their uh, It's one reason why a lot of breastfed babies uh, can go days without pooping sometimes because they're just absorbing and using everything as efficiently as possible. But that challenge um, to be able to produce something that's not human milk that is safe enough for uh, it to essentially risk being diffused into the bloodstream is why it's so important that we have um, these high standards for formula, especially in those first four months. That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause I didn't even know until, you know, meeting Reagan and Eleanor that you, you can't even give a baby water, Trisha. They don't, I mean, it's not going to kill them if you give them a little, but they do not suggest it. And then some people, used to use sugar water when the baby wouldn't poop, which they found out. I mean, obviously plenty of babies survived that, but 
that's another poor alternative to what actually, <laughs> you know, could be. There's a lot of that going around. milk or, you know, formulated formula, which. Well, is, I did it. My, yeah. my pappy did it in 1950. Right. And my mom fed me green beans at three months. And they I, gave I, babies like, bread soaked in water. And that's why mm-hmm. like 15% of them died of childhood diseases. Mm-hmm. Wow. What, what so. was the correlation there? I think a lot of it was failure to thrive. I don't know how many studies have been done, but I watched a documentary about like the history of like um, infants, like um, breastfeeding and things like that. It was only like 25 minutes, but it was really interesting to see the way it's grown and how formula has actually saved a lot of lives, even in like third world countries where it gets donated. Hmm. So what, why, why, you know, why did you choose to breastfeed over formula? Are are most moms starting to kind of, think that way like i'm gonna try this and then if it doesn't work go to formula as opposed to the way my mom did it well i can do reagan i I think (laughs) i know well no you hop in on this too but i know i remember distinctly my grandmother talking to me about breastfeeding and she said that it wasn't encouraged at her period because formula was almost considered like this is better than breast milk for a while in American history. And I'm sure a lot of that had to go into women going back to work and doing all these different things. And obviously, breastfeeding Just, is like taxing. that attitude it's of taxing. like stovetop and craft macaroni and cheese are better food than making, mm-hmm. you know, techno- yeah, it was techno- the TV dinner of. <laughs> right. It's also a big part of women's liberation was that a lot of the housework, and in this case, literally the work of feeding your child technology is able to make easier, make faster or make automated. Uh, you know, it used to be that women spent all their time at home feeding the babies and washing the dishes and washing the clothes. And we have machines for all of those things now. Yeah. So Sarah, is that why I see so many of those guys posting just breastfeed? Oh, they have no idea how much work it takes. Yeah. It takes what? It's 1900. It's 35. It's 35 hours a week on average, which is wow. different for different women. And then laundry before the invention of the laundry machine was 25 hours a week for a family of four. Yeah, 1900 right. hours in a year for full time <laughs> breastfeeding. The best way I've heard it is 900 hours mm-hmm. breastfeeding. So technology is feminist. really it is i mean the the free market has done so much the reason that women are able to participate in the workforce is because a lot of this work that we assume is women's work uh you know it'd be great if the way that feminism worked is that men just decided to share all of that workload too but it's not what happened is men were like maybe we can build a machine that'll do that instead trisha this makes sense why so many libertarian podcasters on that side read ted kaczynski I, I like to Sarah's point, though, um, it, the funny thing is that, uh, you know, it has liberated women and the, you know, with the Industrial Revolution came women not just being consumers or producers in their homestead, but outside of the home. There's a lot of argument for or against that. Um, and then just like your wife said, like my mom breastfed my sister because Lelech was huge back then. My sister's about four years older than me. When I came around, she bottle fed me. Um and so I, it does have a lot to do with culture, but I, I just, I find it so funny that these people say just breastfeed. And I think it should be encouraged and not, you know, made to be something off or scary. I actually formula fed exclusively my first child because I was 23 and stupid. Not that people that do that, but I just didn't even try because, right. you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I, the person that I was married to at the time wasn't supportive of breastfeeding. So it didn't really, you know, make any sense to me. And I, at sense got older and learned better and was able to tackle things like tongue tie on my own, which, you know, institutions don't help you tackle that. 
um, which helped me breastfeed. And I had a husband who was just supportive and was like, whatever works best for us. And let's try, I'll do whatever you need to do to get us there. Let's talk about the men because we are all in reformed moms groups. Uh, and we're going to do a show about these, <laughs> but you know, when it comes to some of the, the, the stuff that, you know, the three of you have supportive partners, uh, Reagan, especially she's just thanks every day for me, but you know, when you look at some of your peers' experiences, like talk to the men about how important it is, you know, in all of these processes, like to to give support. Because I didn't know anything, and I still kind of don't, which is why you you guys are here, you ladies are here. Excuse me. Um, but you know, if there's more men listening than women <laughs> to this podcast, so I guess kind of what does it mean to you if somebody is supportive? Trisha, you go first. Um, for me, what does, that, what does that look like? It, well, a lot, it looks like my husband, but for me, <laughs> it means the world to me because it means, you know, I, I also suffered for something which is actually connected to breastfeeding, um, postpartum anxiety pretty severely. Um, and a lot of times breastfeeding helps with that, but then if you have a difficult time, it actually feeds into it. Um, so having somebody there to help you balance and figure things out and tell you that what you're doing is important and ultimately look out for your best interests and their child's best interests. That benefits the father tremendously or whatever partner you have. Um, so know that, you know, if that person is well, you know, mentally, if that person isn't completely exhausted, they're going to be a better parent to that child. And so the best thing you can do is not yell and scream at them, because I will tell you, the more somebody yells at you to breastfeed and the more somebody tells you, why aren't you producing, the less you'll produce. It's that's actually a physical fact. And so it means a whole lot, just in a lot of ways. And, you know, I wish I had tried with my first daughter, but um, I'm glad that I had that knowledge being older now, because I'm able to stand up for myself and for what other women need. And uh, he's completely supportive of me. So it's awesome. Sarah, go ahead. Um, I think, I mean, my partner has been amazingly supportive with breastfeeding, but I think a lot of that is making sure that you communicate with each other um, why you're doing it and what the value there is so that you can have somebody who's also looking out for you. Cause breastfeeding is um, I'm not sure it's something that, that guys could ever really truly empathize with because it's, it's something that you're trying to make your body do, but that you don't have much control over your body in the process. So, you know, you can't, you can always exercise more if you're trying to, you know, achieve some great physical feat, but you, you can't exercise your way to more milk. You know, you can, you can try and eat more oatmeal. You can, you know, try to relax and drink tons of water. But at the end of the day, it's, you're kind of struggling with your own body to be able to do something that for a lot of women is, it's, I mean, it's critically important. And it's something that sometimes, you know, we stake our, our, identities on it or our ability to be a good mother is on your ability to be able to feed your child. Um, so a supportive partner really is one that looks and understands that struggle that you're going through, but also is there to look out for, you know, like Trisha said, your mental health and the the health of your child. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Alex eats 36 ounces a day. Sometimes he eats 40 ounces a day. Um, when, I, when he was fully breastfed, right. So for, for a lot of the time that I was nursing him, I was in tears sometimes because he would be hungry and I'm like, I can't make more milk. Um, I think, uh, 25 ounces is a, an average amount to make, uh, per day. So he was like one and a half babies on some days. 
Um, so it was really helpful that my partner, you know, saw that happening and then talked about like, okay, talk to me through the line of where, how far do we push this to make sure that he gets milk? And if that's really important to us, then making sure that we get donor milk. Uh, but also fed is best is the term. I know a lot of people have heard bre uh, breast is best. And that's true because there's a lot of things that we haven't been able to mimic perfectly in uh, formula. Uh, just kind of, you know, the, the magical human element or even the simple things like uh, antibodies that you produce as a mother go into your milk. And that's not something that we have a way of producing in formula. So when you're exposed to different viruses or germs, you will actually provide protective mechanism through your milk to your child. Um, oh, go ahead, Sarah. No, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to kick it to Reagan. I mean, uh, so I want you to finish any point you had. Just that, um, you know, for me, it was him actually convincing me that it's okay to give him, you know, a bottle of formula at the end of the day uh, and make sure that I am not trying to make everything for him if he needs more than I'm able to do. Uh, but at the same time, respecting why I want to be able to provide him with breast milk and, and knowing it's really frustrating to have a partner who's like, well, why don't you just feed him formula? Maybe you just can't feed him. That's not supportive at all. But having someone who sits you down and says, hey, I see you're really struggling. I think it'll be okay if we give him one bottle. How would you feel about that? Is a much more helpful way to do that. Yeah, just a little bit of humility to know that you don't totally know, but, you know, at least giving. And I know our situation is different because you may be able to speak more from the single mom perspective because, I mean, we were talking, but I wasn't around around until, you know, well, well into things. But what do you want to add? Oh, goodness. They've basically touched on all the points. I know you asked earlier why I chose breastfeeding over formula, but um, Sarah just talked on those points. But the human element that our bodies produce, and I think even for men listening to this, like maybe having doubts on breastfeeding or formula, educate yourself. There are so many like peer-reviewed studies, y'all, on the internet that you can look at. And once you educate yourself, just don't lash out on your partner or one way or the other. Being supportive is being educated, but not putting guilt or blame on the other person, mm -hmm. uh, especially since it's something that we usually cannot control. But men, you can control your actions and your mood because that does actually have an effect on what women are able to produce. Um, anxiety and mood takes a huge place in that. But stem cells, all those things that are inside of breast milk that they have not been able to perfectly put into formula. Those are huge reasons I ended up doing what I ended up doing. Yeah. You said that the breast milk changes based on what the child needs. Like your, yeah. you, your body changes to their body. Yeah. So if she's sick or I'm sick, my milk would actually change to a bluish color. Uh, and that, that's usually because of antibodies uh, and would change a very, variety of different colors within white cream blue all those things and it's antibodies helping i just love baby. that you you're so sweet you told men to go research boobs and said look up peer-reviewed studies it's just there are so many <laughs> <laughs> they they do have an actual function and you can learn all about it <laughs> i learned so i learned so much more about boobs from her i just you know it was amazing i just like oh it does that i didn't know that well, you know what? I think from a guy's perspective, being a guy with a partner who is breastfeeding, you you end up with a completely different relationship with boobs. Uh, I think my favorite joke that I've heard to compare it to is that if you're a guy in a house with a woman who's breastfeeding, 
you you treat those breasts kind of like the way that you treat uh, a dog uh, at the airport that you you might want to really engage but no you need to step away because that dog is working those boobs are working boobs right now (laughs) they're working boobs and they will squirt you they will get you right in the face hey there's a whole group of people that are into that i'm just saying it's true it tastes like (laughs) cereal milk so i'm hoping you know next oh my (laughs) crunch there's a reason there's people into it man yeah. So, so we've kind of talked about the important part here, um, and now let's hate the government. So, Sarah, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about why we are having a breast milk? Like, it's all fun and games when it's toilet paper, you know. Like, you can kind of just you know go grab some leaves or something. But this is, is this is so this is so not funny and so scary. Having yeah. watched Reagan go through it, and you know you're going through it. It, it just like it it. How does it feel to see shortages? And then why don't you start at the beginning and tell us how this happened? Well, I mean, it's it's really stressful. Like I've I've made a point of I, I used to go to Walmart like once a month and now I'm going every week just so that I can see if there's formula in the formula aisle and see if I can grab a can while we're there. And there hasn't been. And it's like I know that I'm not low on formula, but that uncomfortable feeling of like, but I hope that I don't get low before it comes back. Um, it's not great. And I'm lucky enough that I, Alex is not that, Alex is my son, he's not that um, sensitive. So if need be, we could switch formulas. But that is not an option for a lot of um, parents. And that's a big part of the problem with the shortage is that it impacted some of the uh, hypoallergenic and like specialty formulas for those sensitive babies that I was talking about before. You know, sometimes mom has to cut out dairy. But when you have to go to formula, then you have to have, you know, a special, even more expensive dairy-free formula uh, for those babies. So what happened is it's it's kind of a story of uh, market consolidation on one end, but then uh, you come to government. In this case, it wasn't so much government caused the problem, but government's done a great job of making it harder to solve. Um, so what happened was actually there was a voluntary recall at the Similac plant. Uh, there were two babies who ended up actually dying uh, from contaminated formula. And so Similac uh, is one of, I think, three producers in the United States uh, that um, produce, I think, 98% of our baby formula. It's three or four producers produce 98% of our formula. And um, Similac owns about a third of the market in that case. Uh, They recalled almost all of their stock of uh, three really popular brands that they had. So Pro Advance, which was actually what my son was on. Uh, and then uh, Nutramagen and one other sensitive formula. So you had a, you know a market that was doing okay for a while. Now suddenly has you know a quarter of the supply of formula just taken out of the market uh, that can't be sold to babies anymore. Anybody, if you have, I know it, it was interesting because pretty much all the sample cans that they had sent out during that time were recalled. So you had to even throw away the little small sample cans that you have. Um, and it it really is scary because actually being able to point to a couple of babies that have died uh, is enough to make anybody, you know, say, okay, well, I'm not taking that risk. Yeah. Um, so just to give a few facts and figures here, um, based on some of my research, the shortage is uh, the retailers nationwide reported supplies of baby formula were out of stock at a rate of 43% during the week that ended in May 8th compared with less than 5% in the first half of 2021 in some states, such as Texas and Tennessee, the shortages were over 50%. Uh, 
the FDA and Similac maker Abbott, Abbott Labs, have reached a deal to reopen the formula factory in Sturgis, Michigan, uh, which is desperate news, uh, uh, great news for desperate parents. Uh, Joe Biden has in and we can talk about some of the, the political ramifications of all this, but the uh, defense and the Defense Production Act, which was talked so often about during the Trump years for ventilators. And everybody said, no, this isn't a good idea. Let's not do that because then we'll start doing it all the time was invoked to get supply chains back. And that basically says to every supplier to Abbott Labs and Similac and some of the other formula makers that any orders that you have, you are not to ship out. They All that stock and inventory now is property of these uh, formula makers. And then also they are now starting to import European formula. Uh, which brings more choice in because places like Germany have higher standards. They don't use um, like corn syrup in European formulas. There has been high tariffs, if not bans on several different formulas. Those are now, uh, I think it was a ton of baby formula. I don't remember the number landed in Indianapolis today, actually to start giving some of the relief. Now the FDA actually inspected that plant, Trisha, the week that the bad batches were made, found nothing, left, the batches were sent out, and then when it was brought to the FDA's attention, it took a whistleblower, basically, to get the FDA to act, as as I understand it. Please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, anyone that, that knows, but um, that seems like a bad look for the FDA. <laughs> Well, that wouldn't be the first time. Um, so there's kind of, there's two different sides of this. And obviously what I generally think is it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, so going back and looking, they were saying there was no issue. Obviously the FDA is not really doing due diligence and why would they? Because they're, you know, a monopolized force. So they don't particularly have, I wouldn't say that the, what's driving their force is the customer's best interest because um, government doesn't have customers, but um Regardless, you know, there should be some process for this. Now, what was found independently and privately also, and of course, some of this could come from, you know, the producers themselves, that those weren't actually linked to the factories and that they've been cleared and they've yet not been able to open. So we're not even quite sure if those two bacteria actually came from there. It's really inconclusive. Um, and of course, it's tragic. If that was my child, I would be like, burn the place down because that would just be my, <laughs> but um, so they haven't been able to reopen and produce, but then there's also this monopoly um, that the government has. So if you go to Mexico, which by the way, um, anybody, there's some great uh, formula there that would be FDA approved if it were here. Um, so if you need some, you just hit my message. No, they're, 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 <laughs> they're confiscating it. The wall street journal, um, their stocks are shelved and Mexico doesn't have, you know, they can do whatever they want. Scott Linscombe <laughs> in the wall street journal had an article yesterday that they're, um, confiscating formula that people are trying to bring from Mexico back yeah. to the United States. There's other ways. Um, if you're like an agorist that you know how to get it here, <laughs> but, um, and then also Lebanon being able, like, I think it was like six years ago, you can't buy Canadian formula. And if you honestly think that the Canadians are buying subpar formula than the Americans, and that's completely the reason why there's a ban on it, then, you know, I have a bridge somewhere to sell you. And the same thing with European. There's so many ways, like we should have a larger market. And these these small American companies have the this huge, like 90% market share. And we're not able to buy anything else. That's ridiculous. Which means that they have overdue. They have a lot of influence with the FDA and who can bring in competition and not. But right. And I'm not saying every, you know, thing like, 
you know, oh, put this goat's milk with this and that. But, you know, if it comes from trusted sources and you've reviewed it, you know, a family member and you're researching it, uh, you don't need the government to tell you not to do that when your baby's hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's not their place to tell you that. Sarah, weigh in. And I'm sure you have something to add here. Oh, I just that there. Well, one of the things is um, with the overseas formulas, I've actually had a few families that I've worked with uh, who use European formulas prior to this whole being an issue. Um, but the uh, government has been blocking people importing those now um, because the law says that they can't resell them in the United States unless they've been tested and approved by FDA standards. So um, they are now having issues with like, if you're buying too much formula, it's assumed that you're buying them for resale. And so they get blocked at customs. So you have kids who like wouldn't even otherwise be affected by this uh, shortage because they were using a European formula to start with now have a harder time getting their European formula because the government is stepping in and being like, no, you can't use European formula to solve this crisis. Um, but it, it's the, the shortage itself is both caused by you got the um, problem with the plant. It's it's kind of weird because they did a voluntary recall and then afterwards the FDA came in and was like, oh, but by the way, we're closing your plant. <laughs> um, we did the right thing, but... Yeah. So there are definitely... I know uh, Trisha started touching on there are other solutions beyond just um, finding formula. Obviously, that's uh, the ideal option for a lot of key- people because it's already formulated well. You, I mean, that's why it's called formula. Um, it's got all the vitamins and everything that we can, but people didn't die on those older recipes. Uh, it, it kind of, the way I like to think about it is it's kind of a, um, a sliding scale of how much of an emergency you're in. Um, I I made the point on Facebook, just that if you post about goat milk right now, you're going to find yourself being banned by their algorithms within about four to seven years. They'll come back and ban you. Um, and I was just excoriated and uh, granted, I don't, I wouldn't, didn't know anything about goat milk until she talked about it. Um, it is an option. It's but it, I, it, but it, it's, not fail. It just sort of, it just sort of goes into kind of the post COVID hangover of anything that isn't FDA approved. You're a bad person for thinking about it. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Am I right or wrong or stupid? Sarah first. <laughs> I don't think you're stupid for that. Uh, I think that there's a lot of things that are not FDA approved that are helpful, especially in situations. FDA is, I, I, it's frustrating because it's, it should be, you know, this seal of, of guarantee and then everything else kind of be a, an at your own risk, but that's not the way they treat it. It's um, you can only use those things that are FDA approved. And if you even consider anything else, not only is it unacceptable, but you know, you should be criminalized. Um, I don't think you're, I don't think it's dumb at all. There's, there's a, like I said, for a sliding scale of, it's kind of like we, you have emergency food stores, uh, but that's not necessarily what you're going to use uh, if you have fresh food available. However, if you run out of food and there's a shortage and you can't get any groceries at the store, well, you can be glad that you have this option of your dehydrated food that was in, you know, your 10 gallon bucket. Uh, the same kind of thing with goat's milk is not a bad option. Uh, a lot of kids survived on that. That was, you know, kind of a pre-formula option. There's some interesting um, paintings that you can find of uh, kids literally nursing on goats, just like being held underneath a goat in order to um, drink milk because it's the closest animal milk to human milk that we know of. But even then, it's missing some of the um, some of the amino acids that we have and it doesn't have quite as much uh, carbohydrates. So it 
still had, you know, it's a subpar option. If you have the option of getting formula, definitely give your baby formula instead of goat's milk. Uh, if you have a toddler, toddler, actually goat's milk may be a perfectly fine option. Mm -hmm. After about 12 months, their guts are, um, you know, mature enough that you can switch away from breast milk and formula. Uh, but even things like, I know I've increased the amount of uh, food that I give my baby. I had initially planned to wait like Reagan did and do baby led weaning cl uh, closer to six months. So you wait until they have more of the skills to feed themselves readily. Um, but in an effort to use less formula, our pediatrician had recommended you could feed him a little bit more purees a little earlier. Uh, it's, it's something that his, his belly is able to handle because the texture is still um, easy enough. But you don't want to use that completely to replace formula. Uh, you know, and if it came down to it, you can use toddler formula with slightly older kids. Um, yeah, you know, I was going to, I was going to mention that because I use that for my daughter. Um, I'm not a big cow's milk fan and um, she's not super great at drinking her water. And I figure, you know, she eats table food very well, but I figured this was a good way for her to have something, you know, after she, I think she was probably like 14 months when we started doing that. I've noticed that disappearing. Um, and I don't know the nutritional value, but I would assume that would probably be better than some kind of uh, goat's milk blend because it yeah. has DHA and those kinds of things in it. But I would worry about a really young baby, probably an eight or nine month old would probably be fine with it. But usually um, you, you can, there's some modifications that you can make to it, adding um, some vitamin drops still uh, to make it okay for kids over about six months. Um, but it, yeah, it's definitely kind of falls there. If you can't find formula, then toddler formula with some alterations is the next best thing. And then beyond that, you know, goat's milk is a good option. Uh, and it, you know, if, if you have to go to California for a day or two, it, it's not going to be the end of the world. Reagan, what do you want to add there? Like what, what would you recommend? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I really just think that in desperate times that is best. And if you can't find it then make it or modify something I, I think people are kind of reading this stuff going oh you're going to feed your goats kid goat's milk but as if you're going to do it every meal for months you're right. probably going to do it for like a day until you can get some formula or you know like exactly. yeah it's stop gap right yeah. yeah and goat's milk has been used for years and most people that i see use it will make their own formula with vitamins and they'll usually talk to their pediatrician but most of these people are rural area people because they have goat's milk people and people who are use what you have when you have it and reagan's in the crunchiest circles imaginable i am in a very very crunchy circle yes all of my friends stopped breastfeeding around like their kids are four <laughs> she's like what if, you, what if i bread fed breastfed squished till she was eight i was this like this is before we were engaged i was just trying to see if we'd stay around <laughs> The answer was no. I was like, are you sure? I no. mean, it's so healthy. After, <laughs> healthy. after two years, I reclaim them. <laughs> hey, there was one more thing I did want to, if we just on the um, economic impact of this. So a lot of people know that, you know, you've got Enfamil and Similac or whatever, but you actually have store brand generics, which are the same. <laughs> They're yep. made by the same companies, just put in a different container. And so most, a lot of parents that had to choose formula feeding, especially, you know, like single parents or low-income families would use that. That stuff's gone first. So mm -hmm. you're going from buying something that's $13.99 for a little container to $28 or $30 for a container. That doesn't feed a baby that's exclusively formula fed very long. And so I can't even imagine, you know, what, what they're, you know, it's become like 10 times more expensive and they can't find it. And if you can find Enfamil, 
you're going to buy it regardless of how expensive it is, you know? Um, all right. Well, let's start wrapping up here. Uh, the, all the children are probably about ready to wake up and get their various nourishments. I can actually hear ours. I know. I was just marveling that mine's still down. I know. I'm It's too big to be a cat. Um, you know, final thoughts and then shameless self-promotion. Let, let's start with Trisha. Uh, final thoughts and then tell people where they can find you. Um, so final thoughts. I thought this was a great idea, uh, especially we kind of had a good circle of libertarian women from different perspectives. So it was nice like talking to people that didn't scream at each other over <laughs> something <laughs> because this is such a hot topic. But um, number one, let's take uh, the government out of this. Let's not praise the government for flying um, some things in a warplane that's not really going to solve the solution. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll solve the problems of a sinking poll numbers. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. It I was going to say, because I think about that amount of formula and I don't know if that's really uh, but like do. it doesn't yeah. I don't know how effective that's gonna be. It doesn't seem like a lot. It's like, you know, it was kind of like those COVID tests. It was like, thanks. Remember when they <laughs> sent us three COVID tests and they didn't work? <laughs> but um, so find the best solution you can find out there. Um, I always I'm a, a fan of uh choosing breastfeeding first, but if it doesn't work, don't feel any guilt. Do what's best for you and ultimately do what's best for your child, you know, and sometimes that is what's best for you. So, but you can find me. Trisha Stewart Man on Insta, Trisha.Stewart, Facebook, Trisha Stewart Man, TikTok, Ginger Archie. But you can find me on gingerarchypodcast.com or you can just go to the Wheel of Libertarians page and find some stuff there too. Sarah? Um, I mean, the only final thoughts are that it's a really complex issue. And the most important thing is that you make sure that your babies get fed. Um, and I think the best thing that the men can do in this situation is understand that it's a very difficult situation and um, having strong opinions on it either way does not necessarily help. Because you're probably ill-informed and <laughs> haven't thought about it nearly half as much as she has. Yeah, it's it's just as unhelpful to have a guy who's, you know, giving you a lot of crap for not being able to breastfeed well as it is for one who's just insisting, well, why don't you just give him formula? You know, take the time to understand that it's a really complex issue uh, and it's very emotional for a lot of women. So have some understanding for that. Um, so I don't, don't have stand over them and scream at their breasts. It's not going to help. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, as far as self, shameless self promotion, uh, I don't have a whole lot lately because I've just been focusing on um, you know taking care of my son. But uh, we've had talked hopefully about um, starting up a podcast to kind of discuss some of the challenges around libertarian parenting soon. So hopefully we'll be returning for more of that. Perfect. Yep. And then Reagan. Well, I think that for such an emotional situation and just everything that the best thing that we can do is just look at the facts and pick the best option from our options because there are options. There are different ways to work around it, maybe just for a day, maybe for a couple of weeks. But I see a lot of people obviously very upset about this as I would be too and am, but we have to work together to find solutions. Um, same as shameless, 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 shameless self-promotion. Uh, Reagan Marie Spangle on Instagram and Reagan Marie Spangle on Facebook. All right. And you have my permission to add her. Go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just not saying that to be funny, guys. I don't know if I should add her, but it's okay. You do anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, she's her independent person. There needs to be no permission. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and it's fine with me. 
So, all right. Thank you all for joining us. We really do appreciate it. It's uh, all, uh, it was a great show, great information. Thank you to all three of you for being here. And thank you for watching and tune in this coming week as we'll be talking a little bit about Bitcoin. So stay tuned for that. Thank you.